politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, it's official. Elon Musk is taking control of Twitter. Big news. Big news for freedom of speech. And why? (laughs) Why is the left panicking? Well, the answer is because they hate freedom of speech. No, they really do. They They hate it. The idea that you can disagree with them on climate change or transgender politics or Hunter Biden. Oh, no, 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 no. Bridge too far. They don't want that. Remember, they don't want debate. They don't want disagreement. They want obedience. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Almost tripped on my words there. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, well, it's been a while since I was off last week, but uh, great to be back with you and a uh, lot to chit-chat about today. So let, why is why does anyone care anyway about Twitter? I mean, think about it. Why does it have that much impact? And, and why does it, why is it such a thing right now? Why are so many people happy and so many people upset that Elon Musk is going to take control of Twitter? The answer lies in the fact that you have a former president of the United States of America who is banned from that platform. I mean, really, think about it. When Twitter did that, when they made the announcement they were going to ban Donald Trump for life, okay? At that moment, what they did essentially was they announced to everybody that they are incredibly important because they can keep a former president silent. Now, if they can do that to a former president, what can they do to you or me? Exactly, and that's the thing, and they do it to people like you and me all the time. They shut us down. They ignore us. They, they, they do weird things like they shadow ban accounts so that certain accounts can't be there. They label things. They, they, I mean, it, it's really bad what this platform does to suppress ideas it doesn't like. But why does it matter so much to society becomes the question. And it really wouldn't had it not been for the fact that they were able to effectively silence a former president of the United States of America. That's a big deal. And, and I think that for a lot of people, on, for me, that was a, a gigantic red warning light that went off and said, whoa, this is way too much power here for an organization that is supposed to allow people to be able to have conversations about things. Remember, Elon Musk has lofty free speech ideals. The question, of course, is, when now that they've accepted his offer to buy the company for $54.20 a share, will he be able to implement those free speech ideals? Will he be able to do it? Now, obviously now, they, they, the, the Musk haters are everywhere today. I mean, they are everywhere, melting down, melting down today. Even, even saying right now that this will mean that probably Donald Trump will win the presidential election in 2024. Uh-huh. In fact, that people were going to die. People will die, and lots of people will die. Here's George Monbiot. Elon Musk's free speech absolutism is lethal. Persuasion is the primary determinant of human action. Hate speech leads to actions of hate. Lies destroy democracy. Curbing hatred and lies preserves other essential freedoms. Musk's vision for Twitter is not a promise, but a threat. That's George Monbiot, who is some blue checkmark guy. I don't even really know who he is, and I don't really care. He also tweeted, 
Every freedom needs to be protected from every other freedom. Aggregate freedom requires a balance between specific freedoms. In other words, you can't have, you know, you can have too much freedom. So we want to make sure we can constrain, constrain you and control you and everything else like that, for example. We don't want you to be too free now. Come on, that would be crazy for you to be that free. Of course, some people think this is really all about white power. That's right, white power. Sean King tweeting out, at its root, Elon Musk wanting to purchase Twitter is not about left versus right. It's about white power. The man was raised in apartheid by a white nationalist. He's upset that Twitter won't allow white nationalists to target and harass people. That's his definition of free speech. Here's my question. Does that mean if you drive a Tesla, you support white power? Because that's my question. If you drive a Tesla, then is that like a secret white power thing? Because I know somebody who drives a Tesla who is a huge lefty. Anyway, I'm just asking because he should probably know that he's a white supremacist or at least a white supremacist in Boulder. In Boulderer? Right. They're now saying that this means that Donald Trump will now probably win the presidential election. Nathan J. Robinson, the only comforting reason to think Donald Trump might not win in 2024 is that if his prior success was so dependent on his Twitter account, if Musk takes over, it's very likely that Trump will be back and therefore unstoppable. Cue the 1950s monster movies. The blob, the blob, the blob. There you go. Uh, What else did uh, some of the outrage uh, mob lunatics have to say today? Oh, yes, the death toll will be even larger than net neutrality. Uh Uh-huh. I asked uh, just some people some of the things on the death toll of net neutrality, for example, and Liz Wolf over at Reason pointing out, too, that uh, some people think Elon is going to kill even more people than the repeal of net neutrality even did. So there you go. That's where we are right now. Death is coming for all of us. The man is unstoppable. He's going to kill you and everyone that you know. Now, here is the thing. And this is one of those things that you might even think about. Would Trump even come back to Twitter at this point? Does he need to come back to Twitter? No, he doesn't need to. Again, it's not about Donald Trump, although Twitter made it about Donald Trump. It's about the power, the ultimate power to shut down debate to shut down ideas, to shut down dissent. They can do that to him. They can do it to you. And think of how many times they've done it. Hunter Biden, the COVID lab leak hypothesis, discussing whether or not dogs and cats can actually live together. I mean, these are the things that Twitter censors all the time. And they do it because free speech is a very dangerous thing. For example, if you talk about things like, you know, climate change, and you think maybe climate change isn't something that's man-made, for example... You know, maybe it's something that happens because of the sun or something like that. And you want to just talk about it. Well, if you do that, then you're spreading disinformation. The intelligentsia has decided. And that's very, very dangerous. Of course, a lot of times things in science turn out to be true and other scientific hypotheses are overturned. But the left does something very unique now. They decide when the science is all but declared. They decide. And again, if you disagree with that, well, then the problem's on you. You understand? So there you go. And that's what happens. Now, what is Elon Musk going to change anyway? Because I know you're wondering that. Like, what's he going to really change? Well, for one thing, he wants everybody who's a person to be verified on Twitter. Right now, Twitter loves the class system. 
So I have a blue check mark because I'm a celeb. A lot of people have blue check marks. I don't know why they do versus other people. I don't know why some people don't. The stupid Twitter verification thing, I've never really understood it. But they say certain people stand out. Facebook does the same stupidity. Like, for example, my Twitter is verified. My Facebook is not. I don't know why. My Zioli show page on Facebook, I've, I've asked them a million times. I don't really care. At this point, it's just fun. And they just won't, they refuse to give me a blue check mark on Twitter or Facebook, whatever it is. But I have one on Twitter. I don't care other than the station years ago decided to bulk request it. So all of our stations, they sent one big email to some contact at Twitter and they gave us all blue check marks. And that's about how it happened. But the question, of course, is, well, shouldn't everybody who's a person have a blue check mark? If you can just verify that you're a human being. Why do people with blue next to their names, why do they matter more than other people? And so one of the things that Elon Musk has said he wants to do is he wants to get rid of the spam bots, all the spam that's out there. A lot of it, too. There's a lot of spam. And these spam bots are people who tweet anonymously and do other things. Now, I don't have any problem with anybody saying things anonymously. And I certainly don't want some law that says you have to shield or you can't shield your identity. But there's a good question of whether or not somebody who is who they say they are, you should know that that's the person you're actually talking to. Because even though there are people who are not celebs, they still are real human beings. And you'd like to know that you're actually talking to them, not a bot who's pretending to be them. And also, too, because you may not realize that you think you're talking to somebody but they don't have the blue check mark when they should have the blue check mark and it's an imposter account. So that's one of the things Elon Musk wants to do. Here's something else too. He had tweeted out the other day and this freaked everybody out. He tweeted out a picture. He was mocking Bill Gates on climate change. Uh, Bill Gates is a nut. And so he was he was mocking Bill Gates and he, he tweeted out the following. He said, in case you need to lose a boner fast, and he put a picture of Bill Gates in a blue polo shirt with his big belly hanging out. And he put a picture next to Bill Gates of the pregnant man emoji. All right. And he said that he was he was mocking Bill Gates for his stance on climate change, basically. And he wanted to see what was going to happen with that. And so he tweeted out a couple of other things, too. He tweeted out the shadow ban council reviewing the tweet, you know, as if to suggest that they're looking at his tweet, deciding whether or not they're going to shadow ban him or not. But there's so many people looking for him that it's kind of hard to do. Right. For making fun of Gates for shorting Tesla while claiming to support climate change action. That's what he was doing in mocking Bill Gates, he said. He says, you know, Bill Gates, hey, you're you're supposed to be this big climate change guy and you hate Tesla and you shorted Tesla. But isn't that also interesting, too? A few years ago, the left loved Tesla and Elon Musk is the guy behind it and they hate Elon Musk. I've always found that to be particularly ironic. They hate Elon Musk so much, even though Elon Musk made Twitter, made uh, Tesla possible. And they used to like Elon Musk until they realized that maybe Elon Musk shares ideas on freedom of speech. (gasps) I know. Terrifying. He tweeted out the following. Free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeating the spam bots, and authenticating all humans. Twitter has tremendous potential. I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. There you go. 
Sounds good to me. I don't know why you could really be opposed to that unless you just don't like debate. Unless you just don't feel like there's, you know, there you go. Now, there's some other things in the news today besides Twitter and Elon Musk. Uh, immigration is one of those. Here is uh, acting president Jen Psaki showing she has absolutely no concern whatsoever for a human being who died doing his duty. Does the White House feel responsible for the death of the Texas National Guardsman Bishop Evans, who died while he was trying to save two migrants who were crossing the border illegally? Does the White House feel bad for this man? Do they feel bad? This is what the acting president had to say. Does the White House feel any responsibility for his death, given that uh, there's reporting that he lost his life, uh, allegedly trying to save uh, two migrants who were smuggling drugs? This is a problem that, you know, the administration has been facing for some time, and it's obviously, as we've been discussing, getting some criticism on. Is Does the White House feel at all responsible, and what, what more can you offer to people who you know, are on the border, in border communities who are experiencing loss and, and trials like this. Well, I, I, of course we are mourning the, the loss of his life and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government uh, in this in this effort, in this apparatus. Uh, we've, we've long stated that our immigration system is broken. There needs to be more done to invest in smarter security, to have a more effective asylum processing system and we would welcome any efforts to uh, for for any elected officials to work with us on that. That's it. That's their whole thing. I mean, we feel bad when anybody dies. Of course, you're mourning his life. It's day four since the man died. Day four. And National Guardsmen and women do service on behalf of their country in addition to their states. And they all essentially can be called into federal service by the President of the United States at any moment. So you'd think a little bit. Maybe, possibly, they'd show a little bit more remorse. Maybe, perhaps, a tiny little bit of remorse. Just saying. Uh, the acting president was also asked about the White House's reaction to Elon Musk buying Twitter, including if they're concerned that Trump might be back because the man is unstoppable and nothing can kill him. Just a quick one on the, the breaking news. Twitter agreeing to let Elon Musk uh, purchase, make this, go through this purchase. Uh, do you have a response to that? And does the White House have any concern that this new agreement might have President Trump back on the platform? Well, I'm not going to comment on a specific transaction. Uh, what I can tell you as a general matter, no matter who owns or runs uh, Twitter, uh, the president has long been concerned about the power of large social media platforms, uh, what they ha- the power they have over our everyday lives, has long argued that tech platforms must be held accountable for the harms they cause. Uh, he has been a strong supporter of fundamental reforms to achieve that goal, including reforms to Section 230, enacting antitrust reforms, requiring more transparency, and more. And he's encouraged uh, that uh, there's bipartisan interest in Congress. Uh, In terms of what hypothetical policies uh, might uh, happen, I'm just not going to speak to that at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say, but uh, just know this, though. We'll we'll be watching. We'll be watching Twitter. And you better be good, because if you're not good, we're coming. We're coming for you. You got it. So you better be good and you better watch out. You better not cry and you better not shout. And you better not let people be too free on that platform. And you better not let the monster come back. All right? Because it can be dangerous. Really dangerous. And you will be held accountable for the harms that you cause. 
because we're the government. And even though we're way more dangerous than you are, we're always going to pretend like somebody else is more dangerous than us. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Today on the show, I mentioned to you that there were 19 visits to the White House by Hunter Biden's business partner. You remember, and this is still I love, and every day I check it, so let me do my check and see if acting President Saki's tweet about Hunter Biden is still up. Yep, still there. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. Still there. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. All right, more than 50 former intelligence officials signed a letter casting doubt on the provenance of a New York Post story on the former vice president's son. That tweet and the BS Politico article linked to it and the BS Politico letter from those 50 hacks still there still up on twitter to this day anyway so i always check like check in at least once a day uh so the story led uh, today on the show i was talking about the fact that hunter biden's business partner went to the white house 19 different times while joe biden was veep while he was vice president snarks was asked about that today the acting president and uh let's see what she has to say on Hunter Biden, the New York Post is reporting, uh, looking at White House visitor logs. There were 19 visits to the White House while the president was vice president uh, by Hunter Biden's business partner, including one with the vice president. Do you almost understand why that business partner had access and what those meetings were about? I, I don't have any information on that. I'm happy to check and see if we have any more comment. Yeah, I don't. I got. I got. I got. Hunter. Hunter. Who? Hunter. What do you mean? Hunter. I don't, yeah. I don't. I, yeah. I got. I got. I got. I That's one of those things that Twitter, of course, bail, you know, blocked you from talking about was Hunter Biden. One of the many things that Twitter said, yeah, you can't talk about that now. That's too much freedom of speech, and freedom of speech can kill you. That was just one of those things. The other thing was the COVID lab leak theory, which is, of course, not a leak theory. It's a leak fact. But anyway, Snarks was asked about that today at the White House as well. Thanks. On the coronavirus, Jen, Jen, on the coronavirus, you talk about China and the tariffs potentially coming off. Can you speak about anything that President Biden has done to determine the source of the coronavirus with China? And she's gone. There you go. And that's the end of it. All right, there you go. The callousness of, of course, with her answer about the um, uh, brave National Guardsman in Texas who died, trying to save people's lives. I mean, this is a guy who saved people and then drowned. Uh, Bishop Evans, National Guardsman, Sergeant uh, Bishop Evans. This is what the uh, governor of Texas put out as a statement our national guard soldiers risk their lives every day to serve and protect others and we are eternally grateful for the way spc evans heroically served his state and country now think of the callousness of this administration how they don't give a damn how they they will not bring it up they won't talk about what's happening and think about that for a moment and then think about where we stand as a country with regards to the border and what's happening right now at the southern border. This, this man gave his life to save people. Uh, drowned after jumping into the Rio Grande to save two people crossing illegally in Eagle Pass on Friday. And the White House is like, well, it didn't work for us, so I don't care. I mean, it didn't work for us. Mm. A fence has been installed by the Texas National Guard along private property and across from the Rio Grande southern border near Del Rio. The fence helps stem the flow of illegal immigration while also protecting rancher livelihoods. 
the Biden administration right now wants open borders. We all know that. That's what Jen Psaki was basically saying today when she said, well, you know, we know immigration's broken and we want to fix it by having open borders is basically what she was saying. So the question, of course, then is with Title 42. The Democrats, some Democrats are pushing back on this idea now that we're going to stop deporting people because COVID. And there's something else to remember, too. And I think that um, it was really well said by Dr. Nicole Sapphire when she said the White House continues to separate Title 42 from immigration reform. Friendly reminder, COVID is not the only public health emergency. More teens and young adults are dying from fentanyl coming across the southwest border than from COVID. It's time to expand what Title 42 encompasses. There are a lot of public health emergencies that are out there, no doubt about it. And something has to happen. Something has to happen. But again, the left thinks the public health emergency is that not everybody's allowed to come across the border illegally. That's the thing. That's they think that's the public health emergency. They don't they don't they don't want to actually do anything to stop it. I don't have any, in case you may ask, I don't have any updates at this moment in terms of the president's outreach, but if, uh, if that is something I can update you on this afternoon, I will let you know. It was the question of, will the president of the United States of America reach out to the Texas National Guardsman, Bishop Evans? Will they do that? Of course, we know the answer to that, of course, is no. They won't. Because, yeah, it doesn't work for us. What do we care? Plus, they don't like Border Patrol agents. They hate them, actually. I mean, you talk to Border Patrol agents and their families, they tell you morale is at an all-time low. Much like with cops in the city, too, in Philadelphia and places around the country, too. The left hates them. They love authority. They just don't like the people that enforce the law. It's really interesting. But they they really, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me when you think about it. The certain things the left does love when it comes to authority is like, you know, framing people, for example. Here's a great example of that. The Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case. You remember this one, don't you? Where a jury said, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. We're, we're, not, we're not going along with this nonsense. We're not going along with this idea that uh, these people were actually going to do this because they have the FBI informants who were essentially now leading the charge here. Here's a little supercut from Grabian. Reliving the media's hyping of the FBI's dubious Gretchen Whitmer kidnap plot. Now, they all wanted this to be true. Again, they wanted this to be true, and they did this because they understood that they can keep spreading the narrative that right-wing hate was everywhere, right? It was everywhere. So when they did this, of course, they turned around and they said, you see, all you wackos who are against COVID, you want to kidnap the governor of Michigan, you're just like these people. Of course, we know it was all BS. But nevertheless, here's a little bit of the media living that up. What an alarming story out of Michigan. This plot to attack, to storm, to kidnap you. A plot to kidnap, put me on trial and execute me. They were going to put her on trial in the woods. You know what the verdict was going to be in that trial. Take her to a secure location in Wisconsin for a trial, a treason trial. They were going to take her off in the woods in Wisconsin and execute her like Al-Qaeda style. They're plotting to to kidnap and try me and murder me. That's if, if it was... That's something that sounds like ISIS. That's the kind of thing that you would expect to hear from a group like ISIS. It's the sort of behavior you might expect from ISIS. We have seen uh, terrorist plots, uh, for example, the kidnapping plot against the governor of Michigan. This is a new manifestation of these domestic terrorists now. Make no mistake, that's who they are. 
domestic terrorist. We have to call it out for what it is. It is domestic terrorism. No one has ever had a really viable plot to do this on the scale that we're looking at. Thankfully, the Department of Justice, the FBI, Michigan law enforcement stepped in and prevented something really bad from happening. The FBI and the Michigan State Police worked diligently. Fortunately, they foiled the plot. Gretchen Whitmer and I are thankful for the law enforcement professionals at the federal and the state level for stepping up and stepping in um, to keep us safe. It shows you their commitment and their skill. I want to first commend the FBI and the local law enforcement because it takes them infiltrating these groups in person on social media, and they're the reason this was stopped. We're grateful to the FBI and law enforcement to discover these domestic terrorists and stopped it. The FBI and the Michigan State Police um, it worked incredibly hard. And remember something, it, when the jury acquitted the men who were said to be behind this, and so far there have been no convictions in this, and it all came out about how these undercover, you know, these FBI informants were behind this whole thing, it really should have been a wake-up call to people about just how powerful the government can be in entrapping people. But instead, it was just dismissed. The story was basically just ignored. It was basically ignored. The federal jury in Grand Rapids, Michigan, found two suspects in the plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer not guilty, and a mistrial had been declared for the other two suspects after the jury could not reach a verdict. Both have been charged with kidnapping conspiracy, and it all came out during the trial. And, you know, as somebody who is very upset by this idea of the government trying to trap people to literally orchestrate the plots themselves... And why? Because, again, they love the narrative of the idea that there are domestic terrorists hiding under every rock. And that at any moment now, they're going to storm the Capitol. At any moment now, they're going to start going crazy and have a revolution. Fourteen men were ultimately arrested in October of 2020. Most were charged with state crimes, and only two men pleaded guilty to federal charges. Now, Explain to me something too, and this is and this is what I love too. I mean, what I love about this entire entire ordeal is that you hear the president of the United States going up there and going, "They're white domestic terrorists, and that's what they are." These were citizens accused of a crime who have not been found guilty of that crime, and there's the president of the United States yelling, yelling about them. That's who they are. That's what they because that's what the narrative is. And part of the narrative, too, goes to Twitter, actually, and it goes to this whole idea of a platform where people can debate things because the left keeps saying that at any moment now, the MAGA crazy right is going to take over again and storm the, the, the Capitol and it's going to be chaos and it's going to be a revolutionary. They keep saying this over and over again because that's how they encourage censorship to happen. They just label everything hate speech and then they label everything else, uh, well, it could be domestic terrorism. And then they get people to shut up about it. Think of the COVID lab leak theory and the stop Asian hate nonsense. It was never a real thing, Asian hate, but they did it anyway. And it had nothing to do with the lab leak. They even went so far to say that that woman who was butchered in New York City by that lunatic guy, that he was doing it in retaliation to the lab leak theory. Jen Psaki made that allegation behind the White House podium, and nobody has ever called her out on that. It's amazing to me. The censorship, though, that happens on in the media and then what stories they put front and center. I mean, they put that Gretchen Whitmer story front and center. I didn't even play. That's only half the clip, the compilation by Grabian. That's only half of it. But then think about this now. The networks are refusing to report about Hunter Biden visiting his partner, visiting the White House 19 times. Newsbusters has this breakdown. 
Ready? In 2019, then-candidate Joe Biden asserted, quote, I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. It's a claim the White House still insists is true, but new evidence suggests it's blatantly false. And the big three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, they are not telling their viewers about it. According to the New York Post, Hunter Biden's business partner, Eric Schwerin, visited the White House a whopping 19 times when Joe Biden was serving as President Barack Obama's vice president. Those visits included a November, November 17, 2010, face-to-face with then-Vice President Joe Biden. The Post also reported that White House visitor logs reveal that Schwerin met with various close aides of both Joe and Jill Biden at key moments in Hunter's life when he was striking multi-million dollar deals in foreign countries, including China. Yet President Biden has long insisted he had no involvement in his son's foreign affairs. As of Monday morning, April 25th, none of the broadcast network evening, morning, or Sunday roundtable shows have mentioned this latest New York Post stunner. The bombshell reported by the New York Post on April 23rd said as follows. Hunter Biden's closest business partner made at least 19 visits to the White House and other official locations between 2009 and 2015, including a sit-down with then-Vice President Joe Biden in the West Wing. Visitor logs from the White House of former President Barack Obama, reviewed by the Post, cast further doubt over Joe Biden's claims that he knew nothing of his son's dealings. Eric Schwerin met with Vice President Biden on November 17, 2020, or 2010 in the West Wing when he was the president of the since-dissolved investment fund Rosemont Seneca Partners. The logs also reveal that Schwerin met with various close aides of both Joe and Joe Biden at key moments in Hunter's life when he was striking multi-million dollar deals in foreign countries, including China. In 2019, the vice president said, I have never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said, not everyone gets to meet the vice president of the United States in the White House. The press should be asking why Hunter Biden's business associates, like Eric Schwerin, had the privilege and were given access to the Obama White House. This is additional evidence that Joe Biden lied when he said he'd never discuss Hunter's foreign business dealings. It's well past time for the corporate media to demand the truth from Joe Biden. The corruption of Biden, Inc. must be exposed. The Post story would go on to further connect the dots to Hunter's business dealings by saying Schwerin's visits to Joe Biden in November 2010 coincided at the time with great personal turmoil for the second family. That same month, Hunter Biden relapsed into alcoholism and once again checked into the rehab facility Crossroads Center Antigua to dry out. On October 18, 2011, Vice President Biden arrived in China for three days of high-level meetings with top leaders there, including future Chinese President Xi Jinping. Just days later, on August 22nd, Schwerin was in a meeting in the West Wing with Kellen Suber, an executive assistant to Vice President Biden. In October, Hunter Biden was in Hong Kong with Jim Bulger, where he was wined and dined by Che Feng, a shadowy Chinese tycoon identified in the hard drive as Super Chairman. Feng is the son-in-law of Dai Jinglong, a high-ranking Chinese Communist Party official. And also, the bad guy in the next Batman movie. I don't know if that's true. I do know, though, that um, clearly, if you want to really could cover band name, Super Chairman is about as cool as it gets to be my Super Tramp cover band name. Just saying. In June 2013, Hunter Biden entered into an agreement with Chinese businessman Jonathan Lee to create BHR Partners. Schwerin met with Joe Biden aides in March and May of that same year. Hmm. Hmm. 
What could they have been discussing? Probably whether or not the vice president likes the show Veep, right? I mean, I would just say, can that be kind of a thing? Oh, yes, but the media did have time today to harp on Elon Musk and how horrible he is and how scary he is, including the fact that he's actually, you guessed it, Dr. Evil. And regarding Twitter, it looks like at the end of the day, Elon Musk uh, gave the Twitter board an offer that they just may not be able to refuse. I think we're at the point where there was no white knight. They looked, there were lots of calls made to others to potentially come in and try to buy. Nobody else wants to buy it, at least at this price. Your thoughts on Elon Musk? Taking yeah, over simple, Twitter. Simple equation. I, I don't know. To me, when the, the richest guy in the world takes over the most important social media platform, that's just not a winning formula to me. It, it reminds me of old Bond movies where, you know, Dr. Evil and guys like that or Goldfinger were, were going to take over the media. Uh, I, I just, it, my tummy meter says there's something just not great about this. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Thanks for listening.